precious name. But it is good to have our brother Derek with us. We're glad that he was able to come and able to take part in the meeting tonight. And we're going to ask our brother if he'll come now and uh, bring that word of testimony to us. Well, it's lovely to be along Cross Guard tonight. I thank your minister, Reverend Dean, for the words of invitation and welcome along to the service. Um, it's lovely to be a- along tonight. As we're sitting down there, I brought back memories of my late teens and my twenties whenever I would have frequent and cross guard many fond memories. So it's good to be back uh, tonight to testify of what God has done in my life to give him the glory. I wonder, could we turn in God's word, please, to Psalm 27, first of all. Psalm 27, uh, this psalm has been special to me over the last years. Um, I'm going to read some verses from it, verses 1 to 5, and then we'll go down to verse 11, and this is what it says, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Down to verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, this psalm was written by David in one of those difficult times that he was experiencing in his life. As Christians, I suppose, we should go to God's word, no matter what problems we face in life, we should go to God's word to lead and guide us. In this psalm, I believe that we can see how David endured those troubles that he had to come through. And through his experiences, he has left us with a great guide as to how we should live as we go through this life. We see in this psalm that David had confidence in God. In order for David to have confidence in God during those dark, difficult periods in his life, David fully had to trust in God. You know, trust requires more than just thinking about God. Trust requires us to surrender, to live with that assurance that God is in full control, not us. He said that God was his light. David could say that God was his light. He could also say that he was his salvation. He could say that he was his strength. And this faith that he had led him to know God's peace and presence through his life. We also see through this psalm that David had a grateful heart. He had a thankful heart. In this psalm, David, David's uh, faith teaches us that when we know God as our Lord and Savior, we can fully trust in him. He can help us to overcome those fears, those worries that come into our lives. Those worries, those fears that perhaps have paralyzed us, 
for many is a year. You know, friend, faith in God, just because we're Christians, it doesn't spare us from the tribulations that come our way in this life. Rather, faith in God enables us to live with courage. It enables us to live, to live with a hope, a great hope within our hearts. David had this in his heart through those times of turmoil. His faith was repeatedly tested again and again. But we learn from this word that David continued to trust in God. Tonight, as we are mar- uh, brought together in this meeting house, you know, there's many saved, I'm sure, in the meeting tonight. And we can thank God for all that he has done for us in our lives. We can praise him for our future. We have an eternal future for those of us that are saved. And just as God had a plan for David's life, God has a plan for each of our lives in this meeting tonight. You know, God makes no mistakes. Whenever we think of his plan of salvation, it was perfect. He has taken the punishment for our sin through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. We read there in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, it tells us, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I wonder tonight, can you imagine how void this life would be if there never had been a plan to redeem us? You know, life would have been without hope, friend. It would have been a life with a prospect of a lost eternity. Praise God tonight as believers, we have a life worth living. We have that eternal hope within us because that punishment that we deserve was laid on Jesus Christ at Calvary. We could sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Tonight, as I look back to the day of my salvation, you know, first and foremost, I want to magnify God for what he's done in my life. There's nothing in my life that is good. It is all of God. I want to thank him for all that he has done. I want to thank him for the opportunity even to be along here tonight to glorify his name for how he has blessed me. And you know, friend, tonight, I don't know many faces in the gathering tonight, but I pray as I would testify that you will give thought to your soul where will you spend eternity? Well, I know you'll look up and you'll not believe that I was born in 1973, but that is the year that I was born, December of 73, and I would say that I was born into a good home. It wasn't a Christian home, but I was born into a home with loving parents, and you know, as good parents should do, they cared for me and they loved me, and of course, as good parents should do, they disciplined me as well. I thank God for them. Um, they've done much for me in my life, and I, I thank God for them. I shared my childhood with three brothers and a sister. You know, my father, he worked hard to make ends meet while mum stayed at home to raise the family. And materially speaking, suppose I could say, looking back, there was nothing that I needed. I, all my needs were met by my parents. I would say I see some uh, younger people in the, the meeting and I would say if you were transported back to the 70s, well, life maybe was not exciting. It was the days where your best toy was your bicycle, and there was only three channels uh, on the television. But I can say that my childhood was, it was an innocent, it was a happy childhood. And I certainly, uh, probably looking back now, I knew nothing of the troubles that young people are going through today. We were brought up in a small place called Mulligan I'm sure some of you have heard of it, just outside of Newry. And in many ways, our 
young lives revolved around that place. Um, I can look back, and it's a special place in my heart that I have for it. We lived there, we went to school there, and we went to Sunday school and church there in Muller Glass. And that's probably looking at it, uh, probably even today, that's about the height of Muller Glass. That's all that's there, about 40 houses, a church, and a primary school. But I remember well as a small child that my brother and myself were collected by one of our neighbours. And I remember that he brought us in his car down the, the Armagh Road toward Newry. I was barely four years old and he had the, the different children from the estate packed into his car. And I remember well that he brought us down to a little wooden building sat on the side of the road there. And it was there that there was children's meetings each week. And I would say that looking back, those are my earliest memories of hearing and learning something about God. I have to say my mother was faithful in sending us along to church and to Sunday school there in Mulligalas Free Presbyterian Church. I remember well my brother and myself, we, worked, uh, we walked to church each Sunday, uh, probably half a mile there, half a mile back. It didn't really matter what the, the weather conditions were like. Well, we were sent along uh, each Sunday morning. And I can honestly recall, uh, quite vividly in my mind, I recall well sitting in my Sunday school class. It was in a room uh, out the back of the pulpit similar to this building. And it was a wee prefab hall back in those days, the church. And I remember well that uh, I was faced with the fact that I was a sinner and that sin, that I was born in sin. It was something that I was born with. But friend, I learned that it was something that was going to keep me from a relationship with God. It was going to keep me from heaven. Um, I have to say, looking back, my Sunday school teacher was faithful. He was faithful in telling me of my greatest need in this life. But, you know, he was faithful in telling me about the remedy for sin. And I can honestly say it was the first time that I can honestly say that God spoke into my, my heart. Um, as a young boy, I hadn't committed crimes. I hadn't committed uh, things that you would go to prison for or anything like it. Nor did I understand much of the Bible, friend. As a young boy, I didn't understand much about God's word. But I understood my need of a saviour. I knew I was lost in my sin. I understood that that sin separated me from God and that I could never be in heaven because there's no sin, friend, in heaven. I wonder, as you sit in the meeting tonight, can you reflect on the days that you went to Sunday school? You know, as we get older, we all take time to reflect. And I ask you tonight, can you reflect on a time when you sat on a Sunday school teacher, perhaps taught you from God's word your greatest need? Perhaps you were learnt those great verses from the Bible, like John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder, can I ask you a personal question tonight, friend? Perhaps you see yourself now middle age, perhaps older. Perhaps you're not saved in the meeting tonight. What have you done with the opportunities that God has afforded to you through this life? I wonder if you're honest with yourself, you could say that you've never trusted him. Perhaps tonight you're sat in the meeting and you know, friend, you have no real time for God. Perhaps you come to the church here faithfully, come to the church, but tonight you're not saved. I wonder, have you turned him away? How many times have you turned God away? I wonder, do you ever stop? Where will you spend eternity? Friend, tonight, your soul is the most precious thing that you can ever own. It's the most precious thing that you have. I pray tonight that you will consider 
where that soul will spend eternity. Will it spend eternity in heaven with Christ or will it be lost for all eternity in hell? Well, my life in Mullet last came to an end. Uh, we moved as a family to Tandragee and nowadays, suppose 20 odd miles isn't that far, but back then, in those days, it was quite a change. It was a considerable change for us. So many new surroundings. We moved to a new park and uh, a new school and all that went with it. Um, but we settled in quite quickly as children. I remember well going to the school. And it wasn't long before we were invited to a children's meeting that was held in one of our neighbours' home. And on a Monday afternoon, we always looked forward to coming home from school, throwing the bags off. We didn't have to go in and do homework. We were allowed to go up the park to Gladys's house. And at that time, there had been four ladies in the park. And I believe they were used of God. And the little house was opened up for the boys and girls of the park. And I remember well, I uh, been crammed into the front living room. It was a wee semi-detached house. But we were crammed in, perhaps 25 children. And we sang the good old choruses. And we also were faithfully taught from God's word. And I have to say that those wee meetings had great influence on my life, even as a boy of nine. You know, it wasn't, far, it wasn't long before we got the invitation to attend Sunday school in Tandergee uh, Free Presbyterian Church. And myself and my brother and sister, we used to attend Sunday school each Sunday morning and uh, followed by church on Sunday mornings. And you know, tonight I've come to tell you about the day in my life that's changed my life. Um, it's changed my life for forever. Um, like I've said, my life would have been empty if I hadn't had this this particular day that happened to me. As I give my testimony, you know, friends, perhaps you wonder, what is a testimony? Well, as I look back to that day, there was a time, there was a place whenever I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for you to have a testimony tonight, those are three elements that you have to have in your life. You need to be reminded of that time, that day, that time and that place where you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. Young people tonight in the meeting, I wonder tonight, can I ask you a question? Can you remember the day, the time, the place that you got saved? In your own heart, you'll remember that time. I'm not asking you what your mum and dad perhaps think of you or your minister thinks of you. Older person in the meeting, perhaps everybody in the meeting thinks that you're a Christian tonight. But you know, friend, that's a time for us to search our own heart. Do you remember the day that you got saved? Well, I remember it was a Sunday, the 12th of December, that I was sent along to Sunday school there in Tandragee. And I have to say, I remember nothing of the Sunday school class at all. And that's no disrespect to the Sunday school teacher or any Sunday school teacher, but I have no recollection of what was taught to me that Sunday morning. But what I do remember is I was sitting under God's word that morning. The late Reverend Allen was our minister back then in Tandragee. I remember vividly that he was going through a series on Revelation, much of it that I can't remember uh, much about. But what I will say is this. I remember the Sunday morning that he was speaking uh, about hell. I remember the, the morning that he spoke on the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, tells us of those names who will not be found in it. And then in verse 27, this is what it says, the names that will not be found in it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That great book has a record, friend, of each believer. 
each believer who truly repented of their sin and sought forgiveness. You know, there's no other way to have your name added to it. In today's world, you can get your name added by subscription to many, many things. But the Lamb's Book of Life, you have to come by the cross, friend. There's no other way to have your name added to it. If you're ever to go to heaven, friend, your name needs to be written in it. Tonight, God and yourself know whether your name is truly written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I remember going home from church that morning and God was working in my heart. I remember after lunch, I went to my bedroom. And like I say, I was only a nine-year-old boy, but I remember well the reality that sin had gripped me. Um, I was a sinner. I was lost. Friend, I was on my way to hell. And I knew that Christ had made a remedy. He had sent his son to the cross there to die for me. And if ever I was to enjoy eternal life, I had to repent of my sin. The vividness of that afternoon, it's etched on my mind. I'll never forget it. As long as I live, I'll never forget it. I was a nine-year-old boy, but God spoke to me. Friend, in the meeting tonight, it doesn't matter what the age you are. God can speak to you tonight where you sit. I remember well praying, just a boy of nine, a a childlike prayer of faith. I confessed my sin. I confessed my sin to God. And I asked God to wash me from my sin, to help me to live for him. And you know, friend, he did it. I was there and I ought to know. I remember it well. You know, salvation perhaps is something that is complicated by many people. But friend, that was the totality of my prayer that afternoon. I prayed it. I prayed it in faith. I believed it. And I was saved. You know, friend, tonight God's offer of salvation is accepted by repenting and believing You might ask, well, what is salvation? Salvation brings you into a personal relationship with God. It guides you through this life. My salvation has guided me through this life. But praise God, someday I'm going to glorify him in heaven. I'm going to be with him. I wonder, as you sit in the meeting tonight, perhaps you feel that you're not good enough. Maybe you feel you're good enough. I don't know. But friend, for each of us, that is our starting point. There's not one of us that's good. We're reminded there... In Psalm 53, verse 3, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Not one of us in this meeting could ever make our way to heaven through anything that we could have done. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, tells us in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 2, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You might ask, how did this sin come into my life? Well, friend, the sin in your life was in you the day that you were born. And it's the biggest problem that you'll ever have. It is the biggest problem that each of us have. But you know, friend, if you'll only seek forgiveness, admit that you're a sinner, God can save you. No matter what sin that you think is so big to be saved from, there's no greater, uh, it's not greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, that's the start. We need to confess. We need to realize and own up to the fact that we are sinners. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can say tonight that my sins are under the blood. I wonder tonight, can you say that as well? Unfortunately, I could stand here for a long time and talk about my feelings through life. I failed many, many times as a young Christian. I drifted many times from God. Many times in thoughts perhaps words and deeds. And I have failed my Saviour many, many times, but 
you know, I have to say, has never failed me through life. And I remember, well, as a young person, I remember my youth leader um, at that time, he was very, very instrumental in guiding me as a young Christian. And one of the things he always used to say to me is, young Preston, why were you not in the prayer meeting on Tuesday night? And I remember giving much thought to it. As a young Christian, I knew it was the place that I ought to be. You know, if you're saved tonight, Christian, you'll want to be in church. You'll not want to just be in church Sunday morning. You'll want to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Christian, you want to be in the prayer meeting. You want to be gathered with God's people. Young person, if you're in the meeting tonight, perhaps it's not a practice that you've started in life, get to the prayer meeting. You know, it's a place where you can meet with other fellow believers. It'll build you up during the week. And, you know, we will be blessed if we go to these meetings. The blessings that God has given to me are, well, they're too many. I, I couldn't go into them tonight. But, you know, I do thank God for so much that he has given me. He's given me a wife. He's given me, he's blessed us with three children. And, you know, God has been good to us as a family. We praise him for household salvation. We magnify his name for that, a blessing which we give God the glory for. I sing in a group as much as you, most of you will know, and we sing a wee, a wee hymn. And it says in it, I thank God for the mountains, but I thank him for the valleys. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do, but tonight I want to give God thanks for my valley experiences as well as those blessings. And as I speak up here from the front, um, that old saying, faces differ, and everybody differs inside their different problems. And I'm sure in this meeting, there's no different, uh, that's nothing different than anywhere else. A lot of people facing problems today, difficulties today, and sadly, it's not unique, sure it's not. The older we get, the more problems and difficulties we, we sometimes uh, fall upon. We all go through them, unfortunately. If you're in the meeting tonight and you're unsaved, you're going to go through those problems. But praise God if you're saved. You don't go through problems in life alone. It's been said that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. George Miller once said, God likes to test the faith of his children in order to make them grow stronger so that they can be eventually winners. Persecutions, trials, tests, even sometimes suffering defeats are spiritual food for our faith and helps us to grow into spiritual giants. Whatever the trial is that comes into our life, friend, it's important that we don't turn away from God. It's important that we don't grow cold. It's important that we don't blame God for these times, these times of testing. Yes, it can be difficult to understand why, why God allows us to go through these difficult times. But it's in these times, friends, it's important that our relationship with God is close. Our daily fellowship with God, particularly when these testing times come, should be so, so close. When problems appear, when problems appear, isn't it, isn't it so hard not to act in a human, human way? As Christians, we're not to react in frantic fear. We should react in a calm obedience and wait for God to do what he desires in and through us. But of course, that's not always our natural response. We feel. Even as believers, we can become confused, afraid, perhaps impatient, even sometimes surprised. 
when these things hit us. We behave just like the children of Israel did when they saw the Egyptians closing in on them. They lost all composure, didn't they? You know, God had every right to turn his back on his children, but he never left them. He intervened in the most miraculous ways. And Christians tonight in this meeting, your heavenly Father will do the same for you. Even when we don't respond to the trials in the way that we ought to, God patiently and he lovingly endures us. As we face those trials, he brings spiritual maturity into our lives for his glory. I suppose as Christians we don't like to admit it, but there's no shortcut to spiritual maturity. Um, sometimes you want things immediately, but that's not the way of it. Christian in the meeting tonight, we can never mature spiritually if we never go through a time of testing in our faith. Sometimes we forget so easily that God has a perfect plan for each of our lives. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Friend, God's ways are perfect. His ways are perfect, even though sometimes they seem very peculiar to us, they're still perfect. Sometimes they're painful, but it doesn't mean that they're not perfect. In September of 2017, my faith was tested in a way which I had not been prepared for. September of 17, I could probably put a sign above my life and say that life was good. Um, if I reflect back to then, there was many blessings that God had bestowed upon us as a family. I was serving God. I was serving God singing in the, around the churches. I was helping out with the youth fellowship in the church, a whole office in the church. And I would say I was enjoying service for God. And much of my time would have been, my free time was given over to doing things for God. Um, I remember well on the morning of Sunday, the 10th of September, life started out much the same as the previous Sundays had done for quite a few years. As a family, we had got up and Alison had got the children prepared for Sunday school. And as always was the norm, we, we lived between Sainfield and Balnahinch, and I used to take the children down to Sunday school uh, there in Sainfield Baptist on Sunday morning and then return home to get dressed, to go out to church. And that morning was no different. I came home after leaving the children off. And as I was getting dressed, I was put, putting my top button in, my shirt, when I noticed a swelling or a slight lump to the left-hand side of my neck. I remember asking Alison what did she think of it, and she, her reply was, maybe it's something you would as well get and looked at. And so that was grand, I have to say. Um, at that point, I had no symptoms. There was no pain, nothing to indicate that there was anything wrong with me. I was pretty active, uh, working away. And so it was that Sunday. We, we did as we did every Sunday. We went to church morning and night, and we enjoyed the Sunday together. But I remember well on the, on the Monday, I did as I was bid, and I made an appointment to to see the GP in Saintfield. On the Monday morning, went to work and made that appointment, and the appointment was for the Wednesday afternoon. And so the Wednesday came, went down to the GP, and after a quick examination, the doctor had uh, decided that it would need further investigation. So she wrote me out a referral letter, and that night I went down for 
the first of many scans. I went down for an ultrasound scan. And I recall well that the consultant um, took me into the room, did the scan. And I remember well his words saying that it was something that he felt would need further investigation and treatment. I remember coming home and telling Alison what the consultant had stated. Um, I'd say looking back on those days, Alison probably had more thoughts about what was going on than I did. Um, as a radiographer, she had been well accustomed to these things. Uh, with her experience in scanning and all the rest would probably give her a head start on things to come down the line for us. I remember the next day I went to work as normal and came home on the Thursday evening and Alison had um, told me that that afternoon that it, she had received a call from a friend who she had used to work with in the city hospital and that I had been red flagged for a, a CT scan on the Friday afternoon. I recall very well thinking that this isn't uh, very practical. Um, it was my intentions uh, for that weekend to take the young people of the church away um, for their youth weekend. Um, we were leaving the church at uh, half six and my appointment wasn't until the late afternoon. But you know, we went to, the, went to the appointment and we got through the CT scan. And I have to say, at that point, I suppose, after having so many appointments in one week, maybe things, I'm a, probably what you call a bit of a, a slow learner, it took me a while to grasp things, but I started to realize that things perhaps were not going to be as well as I thought they might have been. Um, we went for the scan, and I have to say there was a point where I did ask, God, why me? Why are these things happening to me? And you know, Perhaps you've been in that place and you've felt neglected or rejected by God. Um, perhaps a storm has hit your home and all of a sudden you feel, why me? Well, you know, friend, I eventually got that answer to that question. Remember God giving it to me. Why not me? Why should I be exempt from the troubles and the problems of life? The problems that many, many people face far, far worse than I ever, probably ever will. Regarding the young people's weekend, I remember thinking, how, how could I ever take young people away um, on a youth weekend with all this going on in my mind, in my head? But, you know, God undertook. Um, we, we went to the appointment. We came home. We got a quick turnaround. We took the young people away for the weekend. And I suppose, looking back at it, it wasn't an easy weekend. There was much uh, that Alison and myself had to carry things that we couldn't talk to our family about. Our children were on that youth weekend. But you know, I can testify tonight that God gave us strength and he gave us comfort over those days. The weeks continued uh, to roll by and suppose I could say there was a cloud over us. There were tears, there was worries that only God knows about. October of 17, man surgery and then more hospital appointments and scans. Um, tell you the truth, I was tired looking at hospitals. I don't know whether many of you go to hospital appointments, but I got tired looking at them. And then came the definitive day for the results of, of all these scans. I have to testify, friend. Um, perhaps I don't have a, a very good way of putting this across, but I can testify that God was good to us as a family through these days. Um, I was looking through my, my Bible 
just today and was reflecting on verses that God gave us. There was never appointments that we didn't attend, that God didn't come alongside to comfort us, to strengthen us through his words. And there was times things fell into place, appointments fell into place that were outside of our control. That perfect plan that God has, that perfect path, God was in control of all of this. Well, ultimately, I was diagnosed with cancer, namely non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And if I'm honest, I felt my world had fallen apart. There were so many questions about the future that I couldn't answer. There was questions for Alison that she probably couldn't answer. And of course, the children, what was going to happen with the children? I remember a few days after the diagnosis, um, I can't remember whether it was a card or a letter somebody had sent me, but the little course that was inside it said this, and you shall know it well, and it gave me such comfort. It says, I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see, but one stands near to be my guide, he'll show the way to me. I do not know the course ahead, what joys and griefs there are, but one stands near who fully knows I'll trust his loving care. I know who holds the future. He'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with his problems, large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. I'm not going to stand up here tonight and tell you that life was easy. That would be a lie. But you know, friend, knowing that the path that we were on as a family was part of God's perfect plan for our lives. Gives so much encouragement. Give us a peace. I commenced my chemotherapy in December of 17. You know, God sustained us through that, those months of treatment. I had to come to that point in my life where I gave my life completely into his hands. Um, us men don't like to be at home maybe too much. It was the first time ever I'd been at home for such a lengthy time. But you know, friends, as, as I recall those days... They were precious times. Uh, the children were at school. Alison was working. It was God in me at home. There was never a time in my life where I got to read the Bible as much. There was never a time in my life where I had time to spend with God. I suppose looking back at that, um, you know, they were precious times. Sometimes uh, I wish I could fall back into those days. In the scriptures, friends, there's much, um, there's many metaphors that resemble uh, pain and suffering. And of course, one of those is the furnace. None of us ever would volunteer for a time or a spell in the furnace. But, you know, friend, when God permits such things to happen in our lives, there are benefits that we would otherwise never experience. Living the comfortable run-of-the-mill life, I suppose we could say it's very appealing, isn't it? It's a very appealing place to be. But, you know, it's in the furnace that we're tried like never before. Our faith gets tested. Our genuineness and our relationship with God also gets tested during those times. There's no doubt about it, the furnace will try us. But you know, in order for us to be refined and matured in our walk with God, we need burning away, don't we? And those times can be those times of burning away, of refining us. But you know, we just don't go into those furnace aimlessly. There's a purpose for our times, for those trials, those problems that come into our life. There's always a purpose that we find ourselves in the furnace. And often, friend, we'll never know the answer. We'll never know why, not in this life, why things are permitted. But what I do know is this, when things are put into the furnace, they come out stronger and more beautiful. But for this to happen, there has to be that refining process. 
The trials we go through here in life, they're here to cleanse us. Oftentimes we need cleansed. As Christians, we need cleansed. Perhaps we need matured in our faith. It can be the testing of our character. That time where God polishes us, if you want, to make us more Christ-like. It's not a new process, friends. Sometimes whenever these things hit us, we think we're the only ones that's ever happened to, but it's not a new process. It happened in Scripture to many, many people. I'm thankful to God for his love and his mercy toward me and the family. And I can say, just like the psalm that we've read, where David said, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. I'm thankful to God that I am in remission from cancer. And I'm thankful that God has sustained us through that difficult time. Just one further thing to contemplate whenever we think of the furnace. You know, friend, sometimes we, when we're in the furnace, we never see an end in sight. Perhaps we struggle uh, to see just how long this is going to be. But God is in control of all these things. His hand is on the time clock, if you want, of the temperature of the furnace. His hand is on the, the time clock as also. We'll only be in the furnace as long as he permits. God is faithful. If there's one thing that I could leave with you tonight, friend, God is faithful. He's not like the person sitting next to you who sometimes lets us down. He is faithful through everything in life. Sometimes things have to put into the furnace twice. In my case, I ended up in the furnace again in 2020. Um, we all started to hear of that awful word, coronavirus. Um, we started to do those things that we're, we were being told to do, um, habits that probably we should have been doing, maybe washing our hands more frequently and all the rest of it. But nonetheless, February of 2020, Northern Ireland got its first case of coronavirus. And I remember well, I'd been working away, and in the April of 2020, I began to feel unwell. And nothing that stopped me from working or anything like that. Uh, I thought perhaps I had a bit of a cold or a flu on me. But as the week progressed, I remember well beginning to feel much worse. Um, I began to experience the fevers and the loss of appetite and taste and smell. And by the end of the week, um, Alison thought it was best that I'd got checked out. I don't think I'd ever felt as unwell. Um, I remember going to the hospital on the Friday evening and they did chest x-ray and after a very short space of time I remember the doctor coming in and saying it could be coronavirus because in those very early days there was no such thing as a test or anything like that but I remember well the doctor said just go home take paracetamol and hopefully you'll be alright and you know that was music to my ears I was more than happy to come home and take paracetamol if I could have I would have taken them more regularly than Alison gave me them at the time but I did go home um, and spent the rest of the following week, um, the weekend, at home. But, you know, for me, it, uh, it didn't get any better. Um, by the 7th of April of that year, I began to experience breathing difficulties. Um, like I said, I don't think I ever felt as unwell in my life. Alison, I remember well, had asked me, can I not uh, phone the, the GP for you? And I was very reluctant uh, because, uh, well, didn't want to go near the hospital was the truth of the matter. But I remember well, Alison did what she wanted to do anyway, and she phoned the out-of-hours GP. I remember well, um, 
it was almost midnight and Alison was told to take me to the, the Ulster Hospital, get me to the hospital. And I remember well travelling down the road and Alison dropped us off at the door of the Ulster Hospital and little did I think that five weeks later um, it would be before I would see my family again. I remember being admitted to the COVID ward and spent a week there. Um, I have to say much of what happened in those days is distorted in my mind. I don't remember much of it. Um, but what I do recall is whenever the doctors gathered around my bed to tell me that I was no longer going to be treated on the ward, that I was going to have to go to intensive care. And I have to be honest with you, it was the most harrowing thing I've ever experienced in life. Um, an awful place for anybody to be. An awful place for anybody's family member to be. Um, I have to say I don't remember much of that time, but I do remember uh, the night in intensive care that I realised that things were bad. Um, I knew I was receiving the best care and attention they could give me, but my life was ebbing away. At this stage, I was unable to do anything for myself. Um, I have to say things were overwhelming. Um, I had a a feeling of suffocation, just suffocating to death. Um, lying there somewhere where it was completely alien to me. Somewhere where I hadn't seen family for weeks. But you know, God is a God that comes alongside us, no matter where we are. I remember well one of the nurses uh, who I'd known for years had brought me in a wee Gideon's Bible. And I was able to read bits and pieces of it uh, at some stages of the day. But I remember well one night lying. And I have to say, um, I was fearful of dying. I'm not going to stand up and tell you anything different. I was fearful of dying. Friend, I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to heaven when I died because my sins were forgiven. But I remember lying there and I couldn't speak physically. But in my heart, I cried out to God. And friend, on that night in the intensive care unit in the Ulster Hospital, God did something for me that I'll carry with me all the days of my life. I remember God's peace that fell upon me, his comfort that came alongside me, those things that troubled me, things like my family, my children, so, so much that was in my mind. God removed all of those fears, all of those worries, he came alongside and he gave me his perfect peace. It's not something that the doctors could have given me. Nothing in this world could have brought the peace that I got that night. And to be honest with you, I longed to escape the torment that I was in. I was happy to pass from this scene of time and to be with my Lord. I can't fully describe it tonight, but it was real. It was precious to me, friend. Even there in my lowest, my lowest state, my most lonely time, God was with me. He was faithful. Wherever you are in life, it might not be the intensive care unit tonight, friend, but wherever you are in life, God is that same faithful God. No matter what the problem is you're going through in life, whatever difficulty you might be having with family, God is that same faithful God. Whatever that problem is in your life, he waits. He's willing to draw alongside you to pour in his comfort and joy, a comfort and joy that man can never bring. I remember after a number of days, I've been returned to, the, to the, the ward again, and my condition had deteriorated once again, um, with a view of returning me 
the intensive care unit. I have to say, weren't easy days for me, but weren't easy days for my family, but God sustained them as well, and God gave them grace. Um, I remember well the doctor uh, thinking about sending me back to intensive care, and believe it or not, I cried like a baby. The thought of it again, uh, well, it's not somewhere I wanted to be, but I remember well thinking about a course um, that I learned many, many years ago at YF. Let the Lord have his way in your life every day. There's no peace, there's no rest until the Lord has his way. Place your life in his hands, rest secure in his plans. Let the Lord, let the Lord have his way. I remember that the nurses and the wards, etc., would have said, Derek, you're a fighter, you're this, you're that. I was nothing. I was nothing. I came to that point where, you know what, I had to let the Lord have his way. Whatever God's plan was, was it to take me home? Was it to raise me to health again? It was his perfect plan. I remember well thinking, uh, trying to sing it with a mask on me. Uh, the nurses probably thought I'd gone mad. But, you know, it gave me such strength, such encouragement. And I'd have to say, that was my prayer that day, to let the Lord have his way in my life. I have to say, I made a remarkable recovery. Um, God has been so good to us. Brought us back to full health and strength again. And you know, I'm sure there are even friends sitting in the gathering tonight who prayed for me. And I want to thank you for that. I'm here tonight because of answered prayer. God answered the prayers according to his will. No mistakes, the perfect will of God. When it seems there was no hope, God worked out his plan. I remember being discharged in the May of 2020. And it was a beautiful day, uh, remember it well. And I give God the glory for the great things that he has done. I've already taken too long, I'm going to sit down. But you know, before I do sit down, I wonder, can I ask you just one final question? Whenever things don't go to your plan, the plan that you've set for yourself, perhaps when the storms of life hit your home, hit your life, when there seems to be no hope, who do you cling to? I wonder, do you have a genuine faith in God tonight? I can testify that no matter what valley comes into your life, friend, if you fully trust in God, he will go through it with you. There's no mistaking in that. Like I say, there's difficulties in every home. But to know that God is with us, that his precious word upholds us through those times is something that we should rejoice in as Christians. Remember, and this is, this is a hard thing to remember, whenever those trials come, they may come tonight before the night's out. They may come this week into our lives again. We need to be reminded that whenever we go through those times, it's to strengthen our faith, friend. If you're a Christian in the meeting tonight, perhaps you've never went through trials, what I can say is none of us would take or put our hand up to go through it. But whenever you do go through it with God, there are times of refreshing, times of refining, times that you will look back on and thank God for his closeness to us. I want to finish with Romans 8 and 28. God's word's true, friend. There's nothing in this word that's not true. It says there in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. What a promise. 
that is. Charles, Haddon, or Charles Spurgeon once said that the promises of God never shine so brightly as in a furnace of affliction. Furnaces of affliction are times that we wouldn't want to go through. But you know, friend, sometimes we need to welcome them into our lives. Our walk with God draws closer and closer. I pray tonight that you'll be encouraged to trust God if you're not saved. If you don't have God in your life, when these storms come into your life, friend, I don't know how or what to say, how you should react or cope with them. But as Christians, I pray that each of us will know God's grace in these days. Perhaps you're praying for someone or a situation that seems hopeless. Can I encourage you? Pray on. God answers prayer in his way. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness to us, dear Lord. We thank you that you are a saving God. Dear, we want to thank you for the day and hour that you saved me. I pray that for each one in this meeting, dear Lord, would know and reflect on a time where you reached down and you saved them, dear Lord, that they repented of their sin. Dear Lord, we thank you for those times of affliction in our lives. Dear Lord, will you refine us? And dear Lord, even as we have spoken tonight, dear Lord, we pray that your name will be glorified and magnified. We pray that you would save, dear Lord, in this meeting we pray. Amen. Thank you. Do thank Derek for the word of testimony tonight. And we do remember praying for our brother um, at the time. And uh, uh, there were many requests for prayer. And the Lord does answer prayer and the Lord does step in. And we do thank God for his mercy. And we uh, are proclaiming a God who's real tonight, a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all can ask or think. And we rejoice in the salvation that we have. And I hope that you're saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb tonight. We're going to um, sing a hymn in closing. It's the hymn 235. On the happy golden shore, where the faithful part no more, when the storms of life are o'er, meet me there when the night dissolves away. Into pure and perfect day, I'm going home to stay. Meet me there. And that verse sort of chimes in with our brother's testimony. We have many dark days and there are many difficult days, but we thank God that in the end, for the child of God, the night dissolves away into pure and perfect day. And I hope that you'll meet each one of us that are saved around the throne of mercy in time to come. The hymn 235, and we'll stand as we sing.
God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for what we have heard tonight. We thank Thee for Thy dealings in the life of Brother Derek. We thank Thee for a real Savior. We thank Thee for one who is able to give us peace in the midst of life's storms. We do thank Thee for Thy grace and mercy. and We thank Thee that Thou dost uh, take us by the right hand, and Thou dost say, uh, Fear not, I will help thee. And we rejoice in God's mercies to our souls tonight. We do thank thee for the food that is provided. We ask thee that thou hast taken thanks for it. And we pray that we might eat and drink to thy glory. And most of all tonight, that each one of us may know our brother Savior and that we might go away with that peace of God that passeth all understanding. Bless thy word right upon our hearts and take us to our homes in safety. Later on, we pray of thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. And if God has spoken to you tonight, then do speak to us or speak to our brother Derek. But do wait for the cup of tea and let's fellowship around the cup of tea just now. <laughs> 